In Viking times, a thing was a gathering, a place where leaders and warriors could meet and talk. In the 21st century, our thing is a virtual place, where history academics and enthusiasts from around the world can come together to share knowledge. We're your hosts, Miranda Schmiederer and Lucas Norton. So hold on to your helmets for this episode of that Jorvik Viking Thing podcast. King Sigmund, son of Volsung, mourned the loss of his dear son Sinfjolti, and to no one's surprise, he divorced himself from the treacherous wife who had betrayed his trust and murdered his son. He continued to live the life of a mighty warrior king, travelling to neighbouring lands in search of plunder and glory, but he also wisely sought out friendship and alliances with other kings. It was this that led him to meet the beautiful Hjordis, daughter of King Oilimi. When he lay eyes upon her, he was astonished by her good looks, and when he spoke with her, he was infatuated by her wisdom and elegant speech. He went straight to her father, King Oilimi, and asked, Dear ally, it would be an honour if you would let me marry your daughter Hjordis and make her my queen. Let us bind our families together with a great marriage. King Oilimi was most eager for such a marriage for his daughter, but this request put him in a difficult situation, as another king had also asked to marry Hjordis, though she was not yet promised to him. Oilimi was a kind father, who respected his daughter's opinions and choices, so he asked her to pick which king she wished to marry, for he would be happy with either of these great men to become his son-in-law. Hjordis answered, Father, you honour me greatly for allowing me to decide which man I shall take as my husband. Had you ordered me to marry King Lungvi, son of Hunding, I would have carried out your instruction. But in truth, I feel I would rather marry King Sigmund, son of Volsung. I have heard the tales of his adventures, the way he won vengeance and reclaimed his kingdom, and I see the sadness in his heart from the loss of his father, brothers, sister, and now his son. Sigmund is the man that I choose, father. And so, it came to pass that Sigmund and Hjordis were married, a union which pleased all who heard of it. Except, of course, King Lungvi. Lungvi was a vain and jealous man, who felt that Hjordis belonged to him, as he had asked for her first. So as soon as word reached him that Hjordis had rebuffed his offer of marriage, he assembled a great army and declared war upon King Sigmund, issuing a challenge to meet him upon the field of battle. Sigmund gathered his men for war and summoned his new queen to him, telling her, I cannot foresee how this battle will fare for me as King Lungvi and all his brothers have assembled a gigantic host of men. I wish you to hide in the forest with one of your serving women. Take as much of our wealth with you as you can, and then if I am defeated, I will at least be assured that you are safe. And so, King Sigmund marched to war, joined by his new ally, King Oilimi. But they were dismayed by the size of the enemy army. They fought with courage and great skill though, None more so than King Sigmund himself, who wielded that mighty sword that he had pulled from the tree in Volsung's hall so long ago. 
He fought at the front of his army, and all who dared face him found that no shield or armour could resist the bite of his bitter blade, and folk lost count of the number of bloody corpses that lay by his feet. It seemed as if the family spirits of the Volsum family were protecting him from harm that day. For a time, it looked as if the smaller force would triumph over the larger, and that this battle would be remembered forever as the greatest of King Sigmund's victories. But then, it was all undone. A stranger appeared upon the field of battle, striding with purpose towards King Sigmund. This new arrival wore a wide-brimmed hat and a blue cloak, but no armour. The only weapon he carried was a spear, and when he was closer, Sigmund saw that the man had only one eye. The man charged towards Sigmund, with his spear point raised towards him, so Sigmund readied his legendary sword to slice the spear shaft in half. He swung his blade, it clashed against the wooden shaft, and the sword shattered. The man made no further attempt to battle Sigmund, who stood there, shocked at the sight of his broken blade. The man smiled and hissed. I told you I would return for you, Sigmund. Your luck has left you, as it once left your father Volsung, and your poisoned son Sinfjolti too. King Sigmund was no longer able to fight, and though he bravely commanded his warriors, his army was overwhelmed, and King Lungvi won the battle that day. When King Lungvi and his men departed that field of slaughter, seeking to plunder Sigmund's hall, Queen Hjordis emerged from her hiding place and searched the site of the battle for her husband. After a long search, she found him, alive but gravely wounded, and she asked, Is there any chance that we may heal your wounds? Is there any hope that you might live? Will you one day win vengeance on King Lungvi as you once did on King Sigurd? But Sigmund answered, I fought and won battles when it pleased Odin, that battle merry battle stirring, but now my luck has left me, and it seems that the father of victory no longer wishes for me to draw my mighty sword, for he has broken it. Hjordi sadly responded, So this defeat, the cruel slaying of both my father and my husband shall go unavenged. Am I now doomed to a sad and lonely life whilst our enemy enjoys the spoils of his war unchallenged? Sigmund, however, smiled and revealed. I have had my fill of vengeance. This task is now fated for others. I see clearly now that you are pregnant, and it shall be a son. Raise him well, for I foresee that he shall become the greatest and most famous member of our family. Take my shattered sword. I predict that it still has some hidden role to play, and our son shall do great deeds with it that shall never be forgotten. Our son's name shall be spoken as long as this world lasts. Now, it is time for me to join Sinfjolti and my father Volsung. Farewell, Hjordis. And so, Sigmund died, and Hjordis gathered the pieces of his sword as he had requested. Hjordis departed this sad field of death, and arrived at the lands of a king named Alf, carrying with her what remained of Sigmund's treasures. 
when King Alf realised who she was, the daughter of King Oilimi, and the widow of the famous King Sigmund, he offered to marry her and keep her child safe once it was born. Hjordis agreed to this welcome offer, and nine months later, she gave birth to Sigmund's child, a fateful son who was named Sigurd. In the lands of King Alf, young Sigurd was raised by a trusted foster father named Regin, a skilled smith who taught the boy the many talents that befitted the son of a king. Happy years passed by, with Sigurd growing in strength and skill, until one day, Regin asked him, Sigurd, my foster son, you are the child of King Sigmund, yet you are subservient to King Alf in every way, which does not seem at all fair to me. Ask your mother's husband for a worthy gift, a fine horse perhaps. You deserve a noble gift to honour your illustrious heritage. Sigurd did exactly as Regin suggested, asking King Alf for a well-bred horse, which the king gladly agreed to, offering any steed that he desired from the king's stables. Sigurd travelled through the forest to the place where the stables lay, and when he was alone on the wild pathway, a man he did not know emerged from the shadows. Sigurd asked the stranger, Who are you, Longbeard? And the long-bearded man answered, I am known by many names. Wise and wisdom granter were my names at Sokhmimir's hall when I deceived that old giant and killed his famous son. And Sigurd then asked, Do you work at the stables? I am in need of a horse and require aid in selecting the best one. The man answered, I am here to aid you find a horse worthy of a grandson of Holson. Let us drive the king's horses into the river known as Busiltior. Make the horses swim into the deepest part, and you shall find that all of them shall swim out, except one exceptionally brave stallion. Sigurd did as the man instructed, and one horse remained, swimming in the water, exactly as the man had predicted. The stranger said, This is the horse you should pick. He is descended from Sleipnir himself, the steed of Odin, greatest of the Aesir. He shall be the best of all horses, and will be a great asset to you, young Sigurd. The man then disappeared, but Sigurd took the horse he had suggested, and named it Grani. He showed the horse to his foster father, Regin, who said, A noble horse for a noble son. It saddens me, though, that a man as well-born as yourself is lacking in wealth, for most of your father's treasures were stolen by his enemies. I know of a way you could win great wealth of your own, though it will require courage and daring. If you were to claim this treasure, you would earn great honour and a reputation that will be remembered for all time. Sigurd asked, Where can I find this treasure? And is it guarded by some bold warriors? And Regin answered, The treasure is guarded by a ferocious, venomous dragon by the name of Fafnir. And that dragon is my own brother. He makes his lair in Ganitahev. And he has more gold gathered in that place than you could dream of. Long ago, I lived with my father, Hraithmar, and my brothers, Fafnir and Otter. I was skilled in the art of metalworking. My brother Otter was a talented fisherman, 
who could shapeshift into the form of an otter, whilst my brother Fafnir was nout but a cruel bully. One day, three gods came travelling near our home, and they were named Honir, Loki and Odin. They passed by the pool of water where my brother otter fished for salmon, but when they saw a great otter sat upon the shoreline, the trickster Loki threw a swift stone which killed it. They soon arrived at my father's home seeking shelter for the night, but when we saw the otter skin bag that they carried, we knew they had murdered my dear brother otter. My father captured them and demanded that they pay for the manslaughter by both filling and covering the otter skin with gold. So they sent Loki to acquire this payment. Loki chose to return to the waterside at a place called Andvari's Falls, where a great dwarf named Andvari lived, who could shapeshift into the form of a pikefish. Loki caught innocent Andvari in a fishing net and offered his freedom in exchange for all the gold that Andvari had hidden in his watery home. The dwarf reluctantly gave it all to Loki, though that treacherous god saw that the dwarf wore a single plain gold ring, which he had not handed over. Andvari gave the ring to Loki, but uttered a curse upon it, saying that this gold would be the death of all who owned it. Loki gave the gold to my father, Hraithmar, fully aware of the curse that lay upon it, and then the gods departed. The curse soon struck, however, as my greedy, jealous brother Fafnir slew our father in cold blood, claiming all that treasure for himself. The evil kinslayer evicted me from our father's home, refusing to share a single coin of my inheritance with me, and he magically took on the form of a poisonous dragon. He will not suffer anyone to approach his lair, and he spends his days resting on his ill-gotten wealth. I have lived here in exile since then at the court of King Alf, but I wish for my brother to be punished. Sigurd was astonished and said, You have suffered terribly, foster father, and your brother has treated you with great evil. I would gladly aid you, but I ask that you use your skill as a smith to craft me a mighty sword with no equal a tool with which I shall slay a dragon. Regan soon set to work with his blacksmithing tools and produced a beautiful sword that he presented to Sigurd. Sigurd grasped its hilt and felt the weight of the weapon, and then he swung it at Regan's anvil. The sword broke upon impact and Sigurd said, I'm afraid this sword is not fit for purpose of dragon slaying. You must try again, Regan. Regin was somewhat annoyed that Sigurd had instantly wrecked the weapon that he had spent long hours working on, but he began toiling again on a second blade. When this weapon was finished, Regin presented it to Sigurd and said, You are certainly a hard man to work for, but this blade shall be much more to your liking than the first. But Sigurd broke this second sword upon the anvil, just like its predecessor, saying, Regan, this will not do. Are you going to turn out like your kinsman and prove yourself untrue? Sigurd then left Regan and went to meet with his mother, Queen Hjordis, who greeted him with great affection. Dear Sigurd, it is always a delight when I receive a visit from my handsome son. What news do you bring me? What great tasks have you devoted yourself to lately? Sigurd answered, I have made a promise to my foster father Regan that I shall slay the dragon Fafnir. 
He assured me that he shall craft a weapon without equal that will be up to the task. But so far he has disappointed me. Kjordis thought about her son's words for a moment, and then revealed the secret treasure that she had kept safe his whole life. My dear son, here is your inheritance from your father Sigmund. Some say that this sword was bestowed upon the Volsum family by a god, and it was your father who pulled it from the great tree Barnstock long ago. No other sword in all the world is its equal, but sadly, the weapon was shattered by some sorcerous means. Perhaps your foster father could use his skill as a smith to reforge the broken blade and restore it to its glory. I trust that you shall win fame with the sword as your father predicted. Sigurd thanked his mother and went straight to Regin with the fragments of his father's sword, asking that the smith reforge it, to which he angrily answered, I will do as you demand, foster son, though it offends me greatly that you possess such a low opinion of my own handiwork, instructing me to repair the work of some other smith. Regin set to work on reforging the blade, and it was clear that there was something unusual about it. But when it was removed from the forge, it was noticed that supernatural flames seemed to flicker throughout the steel itself. When it was finished, Regin passed it to Sigurd and said, If this sword fails to meet your high standards, young Sigurd, then I will have failed as a blacksmith. Sigurd raised the sword and swung it at Regin's anvil, slicing it cleanly into two pieces, meeting no resistance. The sword was neither broken nor chipped, but Sigurd had one final test for its quality. He went to the nearby river with a single strand of wool which he threw into the stream. He gently lowered the tip of the sword into the waters, and when the strand of wool brushed the edge of the blade, it split into two pieces. So keen and sharp was that weapon. Sigurd was more than satisfied and announced, My father Sigmund once bestowed the name Gram upon this sword, and with its keen edge I shall avenge his death and slay a dragon. Equipped with the reforged sword Gram, Sigurd approached his stepfather, King Alf, and said, I have lived here with you for all my life, and you have treated me with honour. But now I wish to leave this place, and I desire to avenge the death of my father using his own steel, the legendary sword Gram. I will find King Lungvi and his brothers and remind them that not all of the Volsungs are dead. Will you aid me in my quest, King Alf? King Alf agreed to take part in this noble venture, gathering his army and his fleet for young Sigurd. Their forces set sail towards Lungvi's realm, but after a few days at sea, a huge storm fell upon them and the ocean resembled blood. Sigurd was unafraid though and ordered, Keep the sails raised high. Have courage, men, for our sturdy ships can survive this breeze. They sailed past a peninsula where a single man was seen standing upon the stony shore. The man called out through the salt water spray, asking, Which of you is in command of this great fleet of Vikings? Can it be Sigurd, son of Sigmund? I have heard it said that no other king's son is his equal. Would you be so kind as to let this stranger join you on your voyage? Sigurd called back. Who are you? Who are you? What is your name? Have we met before? The man answered. I am known by many names. 
They named me Battlestone back in the days of your Molson. But you may refer to me as Man of the Knack, or perhaps Burden, or mayhaps Spellcaster. The man was allowed on board Sigurd's ship, and as soon as they set sail again, the storm disappeared in an instant, as if by sorcery. And then when the fleet arrived in Lungvi's kingdom, the man had mysteriously disappeared. Sigurd, King Alf, and all their men ravaged the land, destroying towns and slaughtering men with great ferocity, forcing their enemy, King Lungvi, to march out and meet them in battle. The conflict was fierce, and Sigurd led King Alf's forces from the front line, armed with the mighty sword Gram. He hacked his way through dozens of men, with none able to resist him, and eventually, Sigurd found himself face to face with King Lungvi and his brothers. Sigurd swung Gram at Lungvi, and with one blow, he split through the king's helmet, his skull, his body, and his armour, cutting the man into two pieces. He then gave Lungvi's brother the same brutal treatment, and it became clear that Sigurd and King Alf had won, and King Sigmund's death had been avenged. They returned home, where Sigurd was treated with great honour and praise for his victory, and the whole kingdom was pleased with Sigurd's deeds. Except, of course, Regin, his foster father, who approached him and impatiently demanded, It is time for you to fulfil your promise to me. I forged you that sword to slay Fafnir the dragon, and now that you have slain your father's killer, I expect you to slay my father's killer. Sigurd smiled and answered, the promise I swore to you has not fallen out of my memory. Fetch my horse Grani and show me the way to Gnitahave. It's time to test my blade against dragon scales. Did you know that that Jorvik Viking Thing podcast has been nominated for two podcast awards, the People's Choice Podcast and the British Podcast Awards from PodPod. If you've enjoyed our sagas, our conversations with experts, and our general Viking history chit-chat, then please consider voting for us. You can vote for us online at www.podcastawards.com and www.britishpodcastawards.com Thanks for listening to that Jorvik Viking Thing podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and all other major podcast platforms. That Jorvik Viking Thing podcast is a production of the Jorvik Group and York Archaeology hosted by Miranda Schmiederer and Lucas Norton. Researched by Lucas Norton, produced by Miranda Schmiederer, Lucas Norton and Gareth Henry. Sound designed and edited by Miranda Schmiederer.